Hello? Pastor Deborah here, and it's been a long time. Wilbur, Wilbur, go gather the living creatures. The word has been spread. It's another story time in the garden. Yay! I knew you guys would be happy. Remember where we left off, Wilbur? You guys always wanting to know why I'm talking to Wilbur. Wilbur is the spiritual chicken. I'm going to bring his picture back from the T&W flea market. He's a living creature. He was used to help a young man years and years ago. Not Wilbur himself, but the spirit of Wilbur. His image in the earth was used to love. Put his arms around an abused child who was in foster care. The living creatures are here to help us. Now the ones we see, while Wilbur is gathering everybody, I'm telling all the spirits as they're coming in, what we see in the earth, the temporal earth, is only a shadow. But they speak for, and they have voices. And I want to tell you a quick story about my golden pine cone. Let me go get him back while everybody's getting settled I want to tell you this wonderful wonderful story about me taking a walk and learning to hear nature talking to me because that's where we are in the garden but a lot of times I'm outside of the garden I'm out in the earthly temporal world But the little creatures out there in the plants, they all have voices. So, when I take my walk, this was several years ago, I'd walk and I would run into pine cones. They would be in the street. Some of them had been run over, been cut by a lawnmower. And I'd walk past them and I'd see them in the road. Now I knew a pine cone had seeds on it. It was supposed to plant itself in the ground. And out of the little things would come seeds. And a new pine tree would bloom eventually. But I'm walking along and I see this little pine cone. Or a big one or a broken one. Just a barely little piece of one. And here's what happened. The spirit realm was opened up to me. The voices out of all of nature started speaking to me. And a little pine cone said, Please, please help me. Pastor Deborah, I'm in the road. I go, I see you in the road. I started talking to a pine cone. But I'm not supposed to be here. No, honey, you're not. You're supposed to be over there in the grass, on the dirt, in the woods. Yeah, but I got blown over here by some wind or something. I don't know, but I ended up here. And I don't have any legs. I can't get back up. I go, okay, I see that. Let me pick you up. So I did. And I threw him into the woods, and I said, now you go. And you become and do all that you were purposed to do. Let your seeds fall. Let new little pine trees come up. 
I was talking to a pine cone. And it was talking back to me. I had some strange adventures and experiences. And then I would walk along and I'd see another little piece of a pine cone. And it was crying and whimpering. It was broken. It goes, I can't be used. There's not much left of me. There's only half of me. Just a little piece. I go, honey, that's enough. You still have purpose. So I'd pick up that little broken pine cone. I would throw it in the woods. I said, you go be. Even if you don't have any seeds to drop. By you becoming, dissolving, and going back to the earth. You will help enrich the earth. To bring forth new life. Even in your death. And you didn't quite complete your purpose. Your life will help others to live. I didn't know it at the time. God was revealing to me powerful, powerful voices and feelings out of the spirit realm. These brown pine cones were representing of human spirits who had got blown astray from where they were supposed to be and they couldn't get back. Some of them were not much left of them. Wounded. Crying out for help. God used pine cones in the street, on the side of the road for me to hear the cries of human spirits that needed help. If you are looking and you desire to help people, you will hear the cries through pine cones. Now what I learned also, this is all taking a walk, is that this brown pine cone is a representative, sort of a Xerox copy, an earthly one. Of the real image and likeness that it was from. And I'll show you. The golden pine cone. You see him? He's in the garden. He has legs and a head and he walks and talks. He's a living creature. From him. From his design. Out in the temporal world came the brown pine cones. When I had made connection to the brown pine cone, God was using that to help me hear the cries of human spirits. Lost, blown astray, can't get back to their purpose. Lost, in a dirt on a road where they would die and be crushed. Some of them were already crushed. So God was using nature if I was listening and I wanted to hear cries of people that needed help. God used a pine cone. Then, along with that learning, I learned about the golden pine cone. Can you see? Beautiful. 
I had to go meet him. There he is right now in the garden. He didn't know at the deep level that God had used him to produce the earthly pine cones. And that out of golden pine cone, out of the Garden of Eden, when humanity fell and left the garden, the brown, this is, a, even though it looks dead, it's not, it has seeds in it. And it's waiting to fall into the ground and reproduce itself. The image of this and the likeness of it, which God was teaching me, it had a designer and had a forefather, an ancestor, the original golden pine cone. God was once again teaching me that the human spirit had become just a brown pine cone out in the earthly world full of flesh run over, blown astray chopped up but its original image was somewhere else now the pine cone his image and likeness was still in the garden and I met him and he's right out there now you might be sitting next to him spiritually I love my golden pine cone. He's a beautiful. He has many, many children. But his heart breaks. For all of the earth. Was to have golden pine cones. Not brown ones. But golden ones. So God used nature. A simple thing as a pine cone. To teach me about image, lightness, the garden, the original design of humanity and the human spirit. He used the earthly pine cone to show me what had happened to the original. And I was able to take this to the human spirit. Here was the flesh, it had a voice. Inside of this was something with life in it, seeds, purpose to become more pine trees. Pine cone was safe in the garden. He didn't know really what's happening. He doesn't go outside of the garden. It's too dangerous for him. Too much death and evil. He stays in there. And he lives to shine out and to remind those who come there like you guys that you have an image and a likeness in the garden where we are right now. Life is different. So that's what I learned taking a walk one day. Now, since we're back in the garden, I want to show you some of the living creatures that you new human spirits may not see or know about. But in your dreams, you dream about. In the Walt Disney movies, you believe in. The fairy tales, your little heart believes in. Let me show you 
some of the living creatures that you will see around you and you'll get to know and you will see a difference in the garden which is the pleasure and the delight of the father of all creation the one we're talking about let me show you I'm going to stop the tape and be right back here are some of the singing flowers what do you mean flowers can't sing everything in the garden has a voice God's light shines through the flowers they vibrate and sing in joy and when they sing if you listen you can hear the creator singing to you that is love for you it's joy for you so you listen the flowers are his voice so in the garden the flowers are singing the trees are singing there's music if you even listen out in the earth very carefully and you are in tune spiritually the flowers will talk to you but it's really coming out of the garden so that your heart and mind will begin to see in a realm and a world that is beyond the eyes of the senses a beauty beyond the soul something that's been eternally hidden from your eyes spiritually but it is real let me get you another one you always hear me talking about the bluebirds you heard Judy Garland say the bluebirds fly over the rainbow in the garden we have bluebirds that sparkle and fly and they talk oh Gandalf remember him he talked to moss I can talk to them they can talk to me they are creatures and in the garden we are all full of love and joy and peace and these little guys they're beautiful and they shine this is what you might see it might look like a hummingbird but they're blue and they're gorgeous they sparkle they got a lot of blue light in them you ask Judy Garland when you see her she believed they flew over the rainbow. We know birds talk and they sing. You're just not listening to the spirit language they're talking. Have you ever talked to a bird? Some people talk to parrots and they have a language. You just got to learn it. Let me show you another one. Bluebird could look like this. Could have feathers and beautiful balls and he could be sweet. Oh, Oh, there's so much love in the garden. Let me straighten him up a little bit. Sometimes they sit on your shoulders. Have you ever heard that song? Zippity doodah, zippity a, by Walt Disney. The bluebirds are singing. A lot of these people believe in it. And the little children, we watch movies about it and we believe. But society, and as we grow older into our soul, it's all make-believe in science fiction. And yet we have dreams about bluebirds, animals. We want our teddies to talk to us. And when you've been abused in the earth, the only thing that seems kind to us are animals, flowers, creatures that are sweet and loving. They have unconditional love from the Creator. So this is another bluebird.
Let me get you another one. How many of you believe in Bambi? Thumper. Oh yeah. There are dear and beautiful fawns. And they'll sit right next to you while you learn. They speak. Even if they're wild in the earth now, they originally weren't. We were friends with them. We loved on them. We talked to them. A woman was talking to the serpent. We see that in the movies. Narnia. Dr. Doolittle. He talked to animals. They talked back to him. Now in the mental health world, they think if that happens, you are hallucinating and delusional. Or you're some kind of psychic. A dog whisperer. A cat whisperer. You have some kind of power or ability. But to them, to mental health, those people who say they do that, they are not considered mentally ill. But a regular person who says he hears voices from trees or animals, they're mentally ill. We got a problem out here. Nature is trying to talk to us. We got some people... They charge to go and whisper, whisper to a horse or to goats or to dogs trying to find out what's wrong with them. Great movie to see how that sort of works was Concussion with Will Smith. He used to talk to the dead bodies in autopsy trying to get them to help him to learn what happened. So he talked to them as if they were living. The Indians and indigenous people, they believed animals had spirits. And they honored them, even if they had to kill them and eat them. They would pray over them. They gave them honor and respect. They honored the great creator in the sky who gave them the animals to live by. They were very respectful. They didn't overhunt them. They didn't just use them to make money with. They used them. The animals were their helpmates to survive in the natural. Let me show you another living creature. Butterflies. All of us love to go to a butterfly house and have them land on. We think they're so sweet and cute. They are. Butterflies are in the garden. They have a purpose. They fly and they land on plants. So you look for the butterflies. They'll land on you. And if you get real close, they'll talk to you. They'll say loving things because really it's the voice of the Creator talking through them to you. Okay, let me get another one. How about dragonflies? beautiful little creatures. They're like moths, sort of. Gandalf used them. They fly. If you wanted to take a ride on them, they'll let you. They're all here to serve you. Beautiful creatures. All different colors, singing, flying around. They all came from the same guy. The one. Boy, he was very creative. Don't forget all the big flowers and blossoms. This lady I was trying to help, she was mainly a flesh creature. 
When I look at a flower in the natural, I would see the beauty of God. I could hear his voice and see his soft nature in the petals. I could see his glory. I could watch it bloom. And he was telling me, as this flower goes from a seed to a bud to a full bloom, that's what I want for you. I want you to come out in all your glory and bloom and shine. But you can't do it without me. You need water. You need sun. God was using the flowers to teach me. But this lady, all she saw was a pretty red rose. That was it. She didn't hear it speaking. She didn't get to know the creator, the designer of the roses or the flowers. So when you see a golden flower, that is right out of the heart and the mind of the one, the architect, the one who is going to step out of himself and out and breathe out all of creation. Out was going to come beauty, diamonds, glitter, and gold, because that's who he was. So God used the temporal flowers. Then once I found this entrance to the garden. And I'll have to tell you that story. I'll go. I'm going to take a break. Because i got to go fix lunch. And while I'm doing that. Everybody go on a field trip with the animals. I'll come back. And I'll read you something. About how I found the entrance. To the garden. I'm back. Whew, lunch and walking around the yard. Looking at yard projects. Long ago. Because I watch movies. God could speak to me, encourage me through movies. This one movie I watched, I think it was in black and white, was called The Secret Garden. It's about this little boy who was very sick, and his dad had hired some people, but the little boy was angry. The mother had passed away, and the father was blaming the little boy for his wife's death. Well, a cousin came from India, to live with him, sort of be a playmate and a companion, but boy, this little boy was a mess. He was angry, throwing temper tantrums. Well, this young girl, uh, she met a friend. I guess her name was maybe Peter, not quite sure. And he was a neighbor, and they cut the yard, and they helped. And he was telling her about this garden that was in the yard somewhere. And this bird, this blackbird, had kept sort of calling the little boy. And he had gone in there and found a beautiful place that had been destroyed and decayed. Had no life, no beauty to it. But he told this little girl about it. And they went in through a secret door that only this bird knew about. Because it had been grown up, covered in vines and stuff. They went inside and they could see that at one time it was a beautiful garden. It had a swing in it at one time. It had a pond with animals and swans and beautiful flowers and roses. But it was all dead now. Covered in leaves and mold. Nobody had been there for a long, long time. They didn't know what it was, who it was. So they started going there and fixing it up. Digging up the weeds, bringing in some plants, cleaning it up. 
And then the garden started sort of coming to life. Birds started flying back in, singing. Some of the roses started blooming. Somebody had come and cared for it, poured love into it. So these two little kids thought, well, maybe this little boy who's just can't walk, seems to be sick all the time. Nobody knew what was wrong with him. Maybe he would like to come there. So they told him about it. One day they got him in his wheelchair. They wheeled him into this garden. He was shocked that these two friends would help him. And then they started to encourage him to walk in the garden. To stand up out of his wheelchair. Because these two little kids didn't believe there was really anything medically wrong with the child. It was all emotional and hurt and wounds. So he started walking. Slowly, but he started walking. Then they'd go away and they'd come back another day. And this went on for months. And then what happened was the garden, because it was being attended to, love was blossoming there. It was becoming beautiful. So the father decided he was going to sell this big plantation or estate. And he heard about this, that these children had found this garden. And that's where they were. And he went there and he was mad. They didn't know the story behind the garden. So in the movie, the father tells him this was the place of him and his wife. They would come there and they would eat there and they were happy there. She would swing on a swing. And something happened to her in the garden. I think the swing broke. She hit her head or something and she died. And this man closed the garden up, never wanted to go back there again. And it died. Just like his heart had died. And he was killing his own son because of guilt and shame. Well, this little girl and boy, they knew what had happened. They knew that love could heal him. So they encouraged his son to get up out of the wheelchair. And show his father that he could walk. And he did in the garden. And his father and the little boy hugged each other and they loved And what they discovered that a place that had been once a place of love, a garden, had become destroyed because of death, overgrown and abandoned and forgotten about. Until two little children saw the potential in it and they found the entrance and they took somebody who was sick in it in a wheelchair and encouraged him. And the little boy saw beauty again and life and animals were loving on him. And the deer were there and the rabbits. The flowers were blooming. Love was coming back to the garden. And a father's heart and a little boy were restored in the garden. It's an excellent movie. So from there, I was taken to the word of God. I could see the potential in a garden and animals and healing and life that could occur. There hadn't been much teaching in the church and religion about the Garden of Eden. 
we were all supposed to get saved, join a church, and just go to heaven, I guess. That was it. The rest of our life we were to live somehow. Go to church, do rituals, pray six times a day, give money, and then go when we have problems to the mental health community. Because God was not there to do that. There was no belief in that. There was no garden. No living creatures that could be reached. But because I had this movie, this belief that there was one, God could reveal it to me. Now through all this time, I'm growing in love, patience, and kindness. Copy love is blooming and blossoming in my life. And it's beginning to overflow to Satanists and witches and those in the occult. And those that do evil, wicked things, even leaders, politicians. Love was abounding. Patience, kindness, this kingdom of love, joy, and peace was overflowing. The river was abounding. Rays of life was coming. I didn't know that, except I love these multi-generational Satanists. So here's what I how I found the, you guys here in the garden how the entrance was open to me so I could see what it was behind the closed gate and I could even see the cherubim and the flaming swords and I would be welcomed in because until you find the entrance and it is shown to you and you have a belief that it's there but sometimes we need movies to make us and help us believe to see the possibilities so I'm going to get my Bible and put it up here if I accidentally cut this off I'll restart it again we're going to go to the New Testament part of the Bible called the second letter of Peter and I'm going to begin in verse 1 and I'm going to read some things Simon Peter a servant and an apostle that means a sent one of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained that means gotten like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ peace cannot even be multiplied overflowing in your life till you have knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord if you only know Jesus you cannot be multiplied you must know God and according to his God's divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life now some people think that's the earthly physical life like water and food and money and shelter Mm -mm. spiritual life Remember, these are words of spirit and life. And unto godliness. Now, what does that mean? 
I am supposed to be like a God, made in a God's image and likeness. We heard that from ancient pharaohs, God on earth, that Pharaoh was a God. And that is correct. When you realize you were made in the image and after the likeness of a God, and that Jesus even said, the words that I give to you, their spirit and life, I give them to God's with a little g. Okay, that's a whole bunch in itself that you have to understand. Through the knowledge, you can't get this stuff without knowing Him, the Father, this God, that has called us to glory and to virtue, which means purity. Verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises that these promises that you might be a partaker of of this divine nature these promises are telling me I want you to be a part of the divine Godhead his image and likeness of his nature well if you haven't studied God and his nature you don't know what you're supposed to be if you think you're just supposed to be a child then that's all you'll be if you think you're just an old sinner saved by grace then that's all you'll be if you think you're still a sexual survivor a victim that's all you will be if you think you're an American, if you think you're a, F a French, British, that's all you will be. You'll be nothing else. Because we're told in Proverbs 23, 7, as you think in your heart, so you are. We must change our spiritual thoughts that then will change our soul and we will think differently. Once we get this knowledge of this divine nature that we are to partake of, to become, we will have escaped the corruption of through thoughts, ideas, through death of the world, through its ignorance and darkness of this knowledge. which comes through lust. So you have to understand lust. You have to understand what it is, how it works, what is corruption. So how do you know if what you're coming from, if you don't think it's bad, then you, you have to go from that to a godly nature. Thinking like a God, acting like a God, Believing you are a God, that you are made in the image and likeness. I was getting there slowly. And besides all of this, all this knowledge of being a God, that I've escaped some things now through my thoughts. I've escaped the world of darkness and ignorance, being bound by Satan and lust in my thoughts, in my soul. 
and I have given all diligence I got to still do some more things I've got to add some things to my beliefs to my faith and here's where I started add to my belief that I'm a God I'm to partake in that image and nature that likeness I am to add some knowledge I'm to add to this belief of virtue that I am a God I'm pure and holy now my soul has changed it's not a victim anymore it died on a cross I tell people that all the time quit saying you are a sexual assault survivor if you got saved that person died on a cross and a new being rose again it never had sex it was never abused spiritually or in the soul now that's a hard leap for most people to get to because in religion they're going to keep you right where you are you go to a lot of your most excellent ways celebrate recoveries AA you are still an alcoholic you're just saved but you're fighting every day one day at a time not to go back because you're really not healed so it says here in verse 5 besides having knowledge of this godly nature giving all diligence to that and credence and study I'm to add to my faith my belief virtue that means pure thoughts clean thoughts and to virtue I'm to add knowledge I need more knowledge just going okay I'm like God like Pharaoh I'm God on earth you gotta have more knowledge but we originally had it humanity had it then the age of reasoning came that went away but a lot of these early pharaohs and kings even a lot of your Illuminati and your kings and princes believe they are anointed that they are God on earth they are but if you're still in your baby childhood thoughts in Christianity you're still a child you have not yet ascended to the throne and you make a lot of mistakes if you're in not in Christianity you're not there yet you might be a king but you have another kingdom so I got it in verse 6 it said and to this knowledge I have to add temperance that means patience slow must be tempered slow in my thoughts I must add patience I must be kind not in a hurry no matter how stressful people get to me how many of the attacks can't be in a hurry must be patient and to patience I must add godliness well what is godliness till you study what a god is and you study your parent who who rebirthed you and you study God himself (coughs) excuse me in all of his facets and nature capabilities and abilities and authority and rulership and you learn he's a king with a kingdom you must study all that there's a lot of work to do 
Now, Pastor Deborah was doing this over many years. And to this godliness, brotherly kindness, which means love your neighbor as yourself. Do good things to your neighbors no matter what they do to you, how they take you to the lions, falsely accuse you. You are to love, love, forgive, love, love, forgive, love. That's hard to do. That's what we're required spiritually to do. But the soul isn't going to do it. And so until that soul dies and you are strictly coming out of your spirit with this knowledge to do this and when things come against you, which it came against Pastor Deborah in the church, in the community, in the family, and you are able to practice loving kindness to your brother, you're not yet ready to see this entrance. And it goes on in verse 8. For if these things, we just talked about all of these things, be in you. It means in your spirit. You have knowledge of it. You've had personal experiences with it. It's your rule of law. It's your guiding light. Your guiding principles. The thoughts. And abound and overflow. It's always there. It's running over. You've heard that. My cup runneth over. He's saying if these things are in you and overflowing, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord. If you have this, anything you study about the Lord, the king, the kingdom, the enemy, how to help people, you will not be barren. You will get knowledge. You will know how to help people. And your work that you do will not be unfruitful. It will fulfill getting people into back into the kingdom, back into the saving arms of Christ Jesus, back in the family, and fulfilling Isaiah 61 in their lives. And the father will be very happy. But he that lacks these things. Doesn't have them in abundance. Overflowing. Maybe you didn't study godliness. Maybe you didn't study. Patience. Virtue. Don't have any knowledge of God the father. Just all God the Jesus. Nothing. Okay. He says here. If you're lacking in these things, you're blind. You're spiritually blind and cannot see afar off. You can't look down the road. You can't see the entrance to this garden. You can't know things. You can't see the future. Can't have hope that things will be better. Can't see into eternity. You're just living your daily life on earth. And you have forgotten that you were purged and cleansed of all of the old stuff that we did. Your old sins, you were purged, cleansed. They died on a cross. The old you died. I knew you rose up in a tomb when Christ Jesus did. 
those things that of the darkness that you they're gone into the sea of they died and he says okay because of this if you don't have that knowledge give your calling give diligence to make your calling and being elected a surety prophecy said all humanity is elected this young man Christ Jesus said from the cross father forgive them all they don't know what they're doing he says if you do all these things not just one of them but all of them then you shall never fail okay and you shall never fall stumble Verse 11, that's where we go. For so an entrance shall be ministered, shown, opened unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The door was shown into the garden when all of this happened in my life and was overflowing the angels were given orders show Pastor Deborah she watched the movie The Secret Garden she was ready to go into the garden itself on earth past the cherubim and the flaming sword she had become a new creature in Christ everything that was required was over and abundant in her life the way was shown spiritually into this garden I saw the entrance and I came in and I met all of you wonderful living creatures Adam had come home yes Adam was home back in the garden of Eden we had been away for so long and the hearts that were in there you living creatures and the father himself had been mourning and crying for the loss of us of all of us for we were all Adam to him his firstborn from the very first offspring from Christ we had become dirty and polluted and we had even brought death to the garden and God had to do a wonder let me read to you out of his own words to us how we got started what happened to us and why he made a way for us to come back and Pastor Deborah traveled those roads and she paid a price so that all of you that are here now with us And the living creatures could rejoice. And the Father's heart would be glad again. Let me get my Bible. If I accidentally cut off the tape, I'll store it again. I sometimes have a tendency to do that. Okay. Get things straight here. We're going to start in how it all began. Genesis 
the beginning. We're in the Hebrew Bible. We're going to start with Genesis 2. 1 through 6 to begin with. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. And all the host of them. And on the seventh day. God ended his work. Which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day. From all his work. Which he had made. Now some people like to believe. He had made it in his mind. In his heart. It was complete. So he goes. Phew. I'm done with all that designing, that creating. But I got to birth it. It's been sitting inside of me, growing and developing. Some people think that's what it means. Or that in what we know as seven days of time, boom, 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 it's done. I don't know. But I don't think it took just seven days. We learned that from the scientist. Verse 3. And God blessed the seventh day. And he sanctified it. Set it apart. Because in it. He had rested. From all his work. Which God created. And made. That's a a lesson later on. You'll learn that when we rest from doing our own work that we create, that we make, and we fall upon him, and we give it up, and we quit trying to make and create out of our soul stuff, then we will have a rest just like he did. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Verse 5. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field Before it grew. For the Lord had not caused it to rain upon the earth. There was not a man to till the ground. We could stop right there and go into science. Talk about how the seeds were in the earth itself. But they can't bloom. There's no rain. We could take that into the spirit. That things were inside of the spirit. But without water. Living water. They cannot bloom. You could sit right there for a long time. And teach many different ways of looking at it. From science and the natural earth. From the spiritual. From the soul. But let's keep going. Those are for other teachings. Verse 6. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. If you look back in science, the formation of the earth was volcanic and fiery. 
They can't even explain how all the water got here. <clears throat> how the clouds got here. They think somehow between the fires and the volcanoes and some kind of water coming from somewhere, an atmosphere got formed. He doesn't, God doesn't tell us everything. Verse 7. And God formed man of this dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. A lot of people discuss what does that mean. Does that mean when the heart starts beating? An electrical signal comes in? Is that the spirit coming in? We could discuss all that too. Because sometimes those in Planned Parenthood and other people who don't believe that a baby inside a womb is a child, is a life, it's just some kind of globby thing that they can easily discard. They've done tests to see when the heart starts beating. Is that when the breath of life comes in? Is the breath of life the electrical beating of the heart or is that the spirit of the Lord God himself coming into man? Is that the spirit of the man? Lots to look at and we're not even out of Genesis because until you study Genesis thoroughly word by word, line by line from his viewpoint his eyes, his knowledge you can't understand it now we go to verse 7 now we've got this man, he became a living soul did that mean his soul came alive? Was he aware, conscious of things? Is that what happens in the womb? That the baby becomes conscious of something? Verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man in whom he had formed excuse me so we have the earth the heavens we got some kind of man that's a living soul some kind of garden that's planted and this man is put into it verse 9 and out of the ground made the Lord grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight. Is that in the garden? Is that just all over the planet? And good for food in the garden. Because this appearance of the sight, good for food, it's going to be important later information. Remember there was a fallen cherubim named Lucifer who had become sick. He's watching this. He is watching this earth develop. He is watching this garden get developed. He's watching the fruit trees that will be pleasant to the sight and good for food. And he's going to use that 
against this man and his helpmate. The tree of life also was in the midst of the garden. What's the tree of life? That's another story that we will get to in the garden. And the one will help us. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Lots of trees, but two very important trees. Two choices that this young thing, this man, who is now a living soul with the spirit of life inside, was going to be looking at. Let's go on about the garden. And a river went out from Eden. Eden actually means the pleasure, the place of the pleasure and delight of the Lord. To water the garden. Every garden needs water. And from there this river was parted. And it became into four heads. The name of the first is Pisan. That is it which encompasses the whole land of Hivala. Where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. There is Badilium and onyx stone. Very rich land, this garden. And the name of the second river is Gihon. The same is it that encompasses the whole land of Ethiopia. We're learning a lot about that part of the world. Was this the time when the earth was considered Pangea? Was this the time when Atlantis was being created? Was the garden Atlantis? Was it Shangri-La? We don't know yet. And the name of the third river is Hadikiel, that is, which goes towards the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the river Euphrates. Now, if you take those, you're going to be over in Iraq, around Baghdad, biologically and on the earth. Was this garden on the planet Earth? Yes. Is it still here now? Yes. It had a place on the earth. They believe it started somewhere right around the river Euphrates, Baghdad. Was that the center of Pangea at the time? Was that when the earth was all one? Before the continent started splitting and drifting? Could be. Fifteen. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden. 
to dress it and to keep it. What that means is to manage it. Rule over it. Keep control in it. Watch over it. Be a shepherd. Be a lord. What this young man did not know was this was all a part of his training to become a king. God will open you just a little spot at first to manage and rule over. He'll put you in it. He'll give it to you. Whether it's just your own biological body. He'll give you your thoughts to learn to manage. Inside of here when it began, man had a garden in his spirit. He was to manage it. His thoughts, his ideas. He was to manage his soul who had come, his helpmate, or that was coming. He was to manage this body. He was to manage the thing that this father, this creator had given him. This garden of his, the father's pleasure and delight. When you are a king, you give your young prince or princesses something to rule over sort of a playpen you give him toys to play with to manage things to use to teach him because I have to learn because as God had learned if I don't do that I'll have a mess because when I created my first round of creatures beings my servants my angels my host of heaven I gave them all this knowledge already. They were full-blown with all wisdom and knowledge. They didn't have to learn anything. They had free will. And they just had to serve me. I didn't even ask them to love me. But they should love me because I gave them life. I gave them all this beauty. And I would speak through them. But they had to use their free will. Because this God was not a dictator. He would allow you to go astray. He would allow you to rebel. He would warn you, which we're going to hear about in a few minutes. So this man was put into the garden that Pastor Deborah had just returned to. Found my way home. Back into the pleasure and the delight of the Lord God. 16. Then the commandment came, don't eat of a certain tree. Well, we know that didn't happen. The young man and his woman ate of the tree. Now I want, and they got in trouble. That's another one. So then what happened? We're going to flip on over to 3, verse 3. Chapter 3, verse 20. And Adam called his wife's names Eve after the fall. Because she was the mother of all living, the only thing after the fall was the flesh. Rebellion, disobedience, lust, sin, death, they had all come alive. Unto Adam... Also, and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them 
We see that in our early human ancestors. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us. Now right there that probably means Lucifer who became Satan. Lucifer knew good. Then he disobeyed. And he became knowledgeable, intimate with evil. To know good and evil. And now, lest man puts forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. That man, if he took his hand and ate of the tree of life, he would be in a permanent state of eternity. That's what happened to Lucifer. Lucifer had the spirit of life and he had the tree of life in him and he was forever to be an adversary there was no forgiveness no mercy no chance to redeem Lucifer and the one third that fell with him so God didn't want that for this young creature and his helpmate so he had to do something Verse 23. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth, kicked him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from where he was taken. Man was taken from the ground in the garden. A blessed place. The ground was holy and righteous. But God had to kick them out to protect them from the tree of life. God had to protect this disobedient creation. So it would not have to be punished in hell for eternity. And then into the second death, the lake of fire. So we were kicked out of this garden where I'm back in with you. For only for the garden's protection. And for man's protection. Even though we didn't know it at the time. Okay. Chapter 4. And Adam knew, had sex with, his wife Eve, which meant the mother of all living. Before the fall, she was just called woman, helpmate. Now she has a name. She became his wife. She was already his wife. And she conceived and bore Cain. And said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. Even Planned Parenthood doesn't believe that children come from the Lord. They need a lot of help. So we all here in the garden need to be praying. All those people who believe it is okay to murder and kill and abort a little baby in the womb. It is a child from the Lord. It's a gift. No matter what circumstance, how it got there, an egg and a sperm came together. Could have been against the woman's 
will. But life was coming. And a lot of women, after they have these abortions, they deal with a lot of shame and guilt, depression, because the reality hits them what they've done. They've lost a child. They've lost something they could have loved that was innocent. Now the powers that be, they take that child and they use his parts. They sell it for research, stem cell. They sell the body parts. Because to some people, that's all it is. But the woman usually who has the abortion, and a lot of nurses and doctors start feeling guilty. Their hearts start realizing what they've done. So that's another horse story. So Cain was born. And she again got pregnant and had another son named Abel. And he was a keeper of sheep. And Cain was a tiller of the ground. Now remember, the ground's cursed. God told Adam that. The ground is cursed for your sake. I got to curse something. I don't want to curse you. So I'll take out my anger and wrath and your disobedience on the earth itself. Outside of the garden it's cursed. It's not going to produce to you. It's not going to bring forth its rivers and the bugs will be against you and the locusts. Disobedience has consequences. may not be to you, but something's going to die and be cursed. Maybe something that's innocent like the earth. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought forth of the fruit of the ground an offering to the Lord. But the ground and all the fruit was cursed. Maybe... Adam forgot to tell his son that he had gotten the earth cursed. Or maybe they forgot about it. They say Abraham, uh, not Abraham, excuse me. Adam maybe lived 900 to 1,000 years. Earth time, but wasn't the same time that we know about. Death was at work first in the spirit. Holy Spirit, God. The spirit dies to God. Then the soul goes into darkness. And then it took a long time for this cursed earth and the biological body, which was made of the dust of the earth, it too was cursed. And it took a while for this body to disintegrate and the curse to have its full effect of death. So what happened was these two young boys... They brought some offerings to this Lord. They were trying to appease him, trying to make up for what they had his parents had done, trying to get back in the garden, trying to get this guy to be nice to him and help him. We're still trying to do that today in every religion. And Abel also brought the firstling of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. 
Remember, God took some little animal and killed it, an innocent thing, and covered the physical bodies of Adam and woman. Blood was shed, a sacrifice was made of something innocent to cover sin. Somehow Abel knew that was the right thing to do. He was a keeper of sheep and goats. Verse 5, But unto Cain, and to his offering of grain and fruits, maybe tomato, we see that in a lot of religions, that people bring food, grain and fruits, to God's. But they don't realize that animals eat up the food, but they think the gods did. Sort of like leaving milk and cookies for Santa. Or the tooth for the tooth fairy. Mm -hmm. Same thing. Trying to leave something to get something. We leave milk and cookies for Santa to get presents in our stockings to say thank you even if we've been bad we'd leave a tooth out of our mouth when we're little kids for the tooth fairy to come and leave us money or a gift so even in that it's kind of warped but that's what happens with the old soul and flesh tries to give to get so what happened God didn't have respect to Cain and his corn or rice fruits. It was cursed. Came from a cursed earth. That's not what God had showed his parents. You kill an animal. But that's not what Cain did. He was a tiller of the ground, a farmer. He thought all his hard work and his labor would be acceptable to God and he would bring the fruits of his labor and he thought he'd be accepted and he wasn't Cain was angry and his countenance fell he was sad and depressed verse 6 and the Lord said unto Cain why are you angry why are you fallen in your countenance your face looks sad and depressed verse 7 if you do well which bring me the right kind of sacrifice won't you be accepted? And if you do not do well, and you do not bring to me the right kind of sacrifice, an innocent thing, sin, rebellion, treason, independence, lies at the door. What door? The door to Cain's life. The door into his spirit. Remember, he doesn't have the spirit of the Lord. And unto you shall be sin's desire. And you. And you shall rule over him. He's saying, do well. Sin's there. It's waiting at the door. It wants its desires to rule over you. 
But if you do well, you do how I tell you to do it, so I will accept you. You will end up ruling over sin. Powerful stuff to teach. This was early on. These were the first two boys of all of humanity. Only four people on the earth at this time. Maybe they had other brothers and sisters, but this is what we're reading. Verse 8. And Cain talked with Abel. Remember, they're brothers. And it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against his his brother Abel and killed him. Abel knew nothing what God had said to Cain about sin at the door and doing well. Usually you bring your sacrifice privately to the Lord. Now we do it in prayer. But he hears your thoughts. He looks to see what you're bringing. Are you bringing him a blood of an innocent animal? Or are you just bringing your stuff? Your works of your hand? Verse 9. And the Lord God said unto Cain, Where is your brother Abel? And Cain goes, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? He had just killed him. He knew where his body was. Now he starts lying to God. Getting angry for God asking him. Sin had come in. And sin had desired because he didn't do well. He could have gone back and said, okay, I have my instructions. He wants an animal. I should go and ask my brother for an animal. Kill it. Offer it up. And sin wouldn't have gotten me. But he didn't do that. He just got mad. How many of us... God tells us what to do, either out of his book, through a pastor, through teaching, and we refuse to do it. And sin gets a hold of us, and we do bad, horrible things. Then we'll lie to God. What is it? Not my problem. I don't know what you're talking about. Verse 10. And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries unto me from the ground. That's another whole teaching about voice and blood. But let's go on. We'll come back to that at another tape. And now are you cursed from the earth? Remember, the earth got cursed for the sake of Adam. An innocent thing that did nothing suffered the consequences of Adam's disobedience. Now that very same, excuse me, earth has now cursed Cain itself. Remember, Cain's body is made up of the dust of the earth. This is getting very deep here. Now remember, we are outside of the garden. Now the earth is striking back at man. You are cursed from the earth. The viruses will get you. The 
animals, the weather, nature itself, it will curse you. I don't think cursings are good things. The earth will bring death to you itself. You, because you have spilt your brother's blood and it sunk into the earth and the blood cried out to me from the earth. So the earth becomes my revenger against you, Cain. The earth has given power now over you. Nature itself is my weapon, is my arm against you, Cain. I created the earth. I own it. All of it answers to me. I even cursed it to save you. But because you have killed your brother, lied to me about it, sin got a hold of you. And now, that which was to be a blessing to you, provide for you, help you, even in its cursed state, it is now going to turn on you. It will be your enemy. The earth opened up its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. The earth will now kill you, murder you, use death and sin against you. It is going to rise up against you. Verse 12. When you till the ground, it ain't going to produce. It's not going to yield to you her strength. Not going to get food out of it. The land the is going to be dry and desolate. You might get some, but it won't be her full strength. The waters will dry up. The atmosphere will be against you. There'll be death and decay and molds and bacteria, viruses. I will send bugs to plague your food that you grow. Locusts, wild things, even the bees will be against you. That should be producing honey for you. That which was supposed to be good, the poppies, to help you in times of pain, physically. They will turn against you and addict you to them. Tobacco, which was supposed to help you in some way. You'll never learn what it was. And you will be addicted to it. You will be addicted to cursed things. Your body will declare, I have to have this cursed earth. And you, Cain, will be a fugitive and a vagabond. Shall you be in the earth? You will not be friendly to the earth. You'll be running all over the place, chasing the animals, following the herds. You'll burn the earth to plant foods that won't produce for you. You'll be swallowed up in the sea, 
that sea creatures will eat you, snatch you. You'll be a vagabond. You will not be friendly. You will not be the keeper of the land anymore. You will not be watching over it. Well, you'll have no authority over it. I and my weather and my nature and my laws, we will. You have lost that leadership, that management, to guard it and keep it, to protect it. You polluted it with your brother's blood. Do you think every time a little baby is killed, wars happen, the earth swallows it up? it fights against us 13 and Cain said unto the Lord my punishment is greater than I can bear yes it is 14 behold you have driven me out this day from the face of the earth and from the face and from your face shall I be hid he's already out of the garden now he's going to be hid from even hearing God knowing God looking towards God he will turn to other gods darkness on his eyes will come God will turn his face from him but God didn't turn his face. We turned ours. And I shall be a fugitive. And a vagabond. A wanderer. Never happy. Always looking for home. And peace. Can't find it anywhere on earth. And it shall come to pass. He says. That everyone that finds me. They'll want to kill me for what I've done. I have cursed the earth. The earth has cursed all humanity. Everybody will be mad at me. For what happens to them. It's my fault. Yes it is Cain. Everybody's angry and mad. Because the earth is now cursed. It's our enemy. We are not good shepherds of it. And the Lord God said unto Cain. Okay. Therefore whoever slays Cain. Vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. Means nobody has a right to kill Cain. No human does. The only person. The Lord set a mark upon Cain. Lest anybody should find him and kill him. God said, you only disobeyed against me. And the earth. The earth has a right to kill you. The earth will take you out through viruses, diseases, the rotting of the body and cancer and tumor. The animals will slay you. They have a right to take you out. Because of sin and death. And I too have a right. To take you. Because you sinned against me. You sinned against the earth. That I gave you. 
Verse 16, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. What that means is he had to leave even the pleasure. The east meant the pleasure side of God, the good side. Eden was the delight of the Lord. He's gone out of it. The earth has turned against him. Okay. So now the garden where we are, that Adam refound Pastor Deborah with the Spirit of the Lord in her, who died on the cross with Christ Jesus, who was resurrected a new creature. Who learned and grew in knowledge. Was eating from the tree of life. Found her way back. To you guys in the garden. Found my way home. Back into the pleasure and the delight of the Lord. Back to where we started. Learning how to manage you guys. Shepherd you. Watch over you. Be in loving relationships <clears throat> excuse me with you, protecting you from this outside the garden, getting to know the flaming sword and the cherubim. I became the shepherd. I'd go find the canes of the world who are out of his presence and out of the garden and invite them to come home. Invite all the Adams to come back and the Cains. That a way had been made for them. An innocent animal had been slain before the foundation of the world. In God's heart, he said, I know what's going to happen. Son, Christ, my right arm. I'm going to have to cut you off. I'm going to cut my right arm off. Just for a little while. Will you pay the price? Will you go down there. In their form of Cain. And tell them about the king. And the kingdom. And their return. That they can come back home. To the kingdom. To the garden. But I need that animal. That was innocent. To go and sacrifice itself. To cover their sins. To pay a price again. And this Christ. This son said. Yes sir father. I love you so much. And I know you love Eden. And you love the living creatures. And you love humanity. You love all the Cains. You love all the bad guys. They don't know any better. They'll be so stuck in sin and death and flesh. They will be in Satan's kingdom, ignorant of you. They'll be serving, worshiping other gods and animals. They'll be killing their brothers, their family. But to restore, redeem them all back to you, Father, I will go. When you say it's time. 
in the fulfillment of the time I will go and I will go to the cross and I will pay the price that must be paid so they can come home I'll make a way for them spiritually I'll show them how to make peace with the earth again how to manage it and control it through the kingdom through your kingdom of God on earth I will teach them and all that learn about me and my kingdom I will teach them yes sir I will go you will have what you desired a kingdom inside of a human and a garden of Eden all over the planet and the planet and humanity living as we live in heaven in a beautiful land that is filled with love and joy and peace everything is living there is order and everything is free will chosen to be here I will go Pastor Deborah found that found the way home Adam came back Cain came home the earth was happy it's trying to help me it's not trying to curse me anymore oh I still have to battle Satan down here because he's still trying to he believes the earth is in his hands but not anymore so that is how we got kicked out of this lovely place where all of you creatures are and we missed you so much we created and thought there must have been something called Atlantis where we were the master race and was beautiful they were thinking of the garden that's why we love fairy tales and Narnia Walt Disney movies and Walt Disney World it reminds us of the garden where everything was happy loving the animals talked that's why we have a relationship with animals and people love the earth yet some people don't love the animals they treat them so horribly they have not yet found this king and this god they're still stuck in the lust of the flesh they're godless they have no love for nature or people the kingdom of darkness is still here in powerful position and only it can be taken down by a king only kings with the power of their government and their authority and their righteous laws can take the kingdom of darkness and Satan down if you would like to return home come back into the presence of God back into his garden of Eden and meet all these living creatures and feel free to come anytime you want here is a prayer for you and welcome and come home the light's on the sword is there 
Now you won't know the way, but the bluebirds will. So come home. We're waiting. All of creation is waiting to meet you. The earth wants to love you. The creatures want to love you and get to know you. So say the prayer and come home. Let's begin. So enjoy. Father, enjoy your inheritance. They are yours. You paid a price for them. You opened the door wide. Enjoy them. Help them to believe in your garden and you. And let their hearts be changed. In the name of Jesus. You guys have fun. I got to go do some work. I'll see you next time. Hopefully on the one. The story time in the garden. We'll talk about the crown. I was going to do that today. But I didn't. Enjoy. Love. Love.